At least Sam Carrick is scoring goals for the Ducks. That's got to count for something, right? Right? Your Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jason J.D. Hernandez, covering hockey for over a decade. And welcome to Friday, folks. Thank you for making this your first listen of the day. And this reminder that this podcast is free and available across all platforms. All right, we're going to get started right away because the Ducks are still on a bit of a losing streak. They haven't won a game since Hector was a pup, as the late great Chick Hearn would say. It's been a while since the Ducks have won a game. In fact, I could count on two hands exactly how long this losing streak is. Let's, let's count it, shall we? Yeah, Chicago, Nashville, Florida, Rangers, Islanders, five so far, Devils, Predators, Blackhawks. That's eight. Eight consecutive losses. You know how many points they've gotten in those losses? Two. They've gotten two points in their last six. No, sorry. Two points out of a possible 16 points. That's bad, folks. That's really bad. The tank is real. Or at least the tank is supposedly real. And this comes off of a 4-2 to loss against the Chicago Blackhawks. I'll just talk briefly about this one because this was pretty ugly from the get-go. Taylor Radish, and I don't even like Radishes, he scored on the power play right away, making it 1-0. But Sam Carrick picking up the loose change once again. And by the way, I love the Buddy Robinson-Sam Carrick connection there. That's a connection that we've seen in San Diego. It continues in Anaheim. And props to Max Comtois getting that apple. So, yay! Ducks tied at one, right? Yeah, it didn't last long. In fact, that first period, aside from Sam Carrick, was pretty bad because the Ducks got two. That's right, two shots in the first 10 minutes. Yeesh. But hey, at least it was the debut of Zach Aston Reese and Dominic Simone. So at least that's cool, right? Oh, and Simone was on the first line with Trevor Zegris and Derek Grant. So that's got to count for something too, right? Oh, and John Gibson, he also started. Oh, yay. All right, I, I thought we were going to arrest Gibby. No, no, we're not going to arrest Gibson. Okay, apparently not. So he's not going to rest. He's just going to get pissed off and start pushing guys left and right. I, I did like the shoving of Sam Lafferty behind his own goal. You could tell that Gibby was just pissed off and letting off all his emotions. He, he took it out on Lafferty. Every single emotion, every single wanting to tase his teammates, it was all out right there. Good for him. Oh, by the way, second period, Patrick Kane scored in the power play again. Blackhawks were 2-for-2 two two at that point. They ended up being 2-for-3 on the power play. Yee. But then Sam Carrick came to the rescue, tied things up at two goals apiece. His 11th of the season. Can you believe Sam Carrick has 11 goals? This is a guy that was supposedly only supposed to come in last season as an injury replacement. And he made the most of his time last year. 
and he's definitely making the most of his time this year. By the way, did you know Sam Carrick has double-digit goals this season? I'm going to repeat that once again. Sam Carrick has 11 goals this season. He has 18 points. I applaud him so much. The longtime captain of the San Diego goals. Then he goes out, scores 11 goals this season, making himself a fan favorite, getting himself in fights, protecting his teammates. I, I love Sam Carrick on the Ducks. I think he's finally found his place. I think he belongs all the way. However, just two and a half minutes later, Sam Carrick got beat by Dylan Strom. Sam Carrick was trying to cover for, I think he was trying to cover for someone else. And as Dylan Strom was streaking towards the net, Sam Carrick took a slight beat, maybe a quarter of a second. And right as he was trying to circle back and get to Dylan Strom, he just got beat. He he just got beat. So after Sam Carrick had two terrific goals, he it's just unfortunate. Just one of those really unfortunate things had a defensive lapse. It, it happens. That made it 3-2. to two. That's a game-winning goal for the Blackhawks. They scored later on an empty netter from Alex Dabrinkit. And your final score is 4-2. to two. Even though the Ducks outshot the Blackhawks 29-28, most of those shots came in the second and third period because that's when Anaheim's offense really came alive, finally. But that first period was not off to a good start. And their special teams just continued to look worse and worse and worse. They were 0 for 1 on the power play. 2 for 3 were the Blackhawks on their power play. So let me remind you this. Remember about three months ago when the Ducks had a top five in both the power play and the penalty kill? Remember that? That seems like so long ago now. And look where they are now. The Ducks, as of this recording, are 11th in power play percentage at 23.4%. They're also 11th in the NHL and penalty killing at 81%. Oh, but it gets a little better than this. Let's actually really dissect this and go since the All-Star break. Because this is pretty alarming. Since the All-Star break, the Ducks are you ready? Are 19th on the power play. 19.6%. That's not bad. However, since the All-Star break, the Ducks are 25th on the penalty kill. They're in the bottom 10 in the PK with 75%. By the way, since the All-Star break, the Detroit Red Wings have by far the worst PK at an astonishingly bad 63.6%. That's really bad. But the Ducks are down there as well, 25th in the league. They're not going to win games with the way special teams have been right now. And even more sad... Since the All-Star break, the Ducks have the worst record in the league. They're 4-12-2 since the break. Boy, that, that was a bad time to take a break, wasn't it? Because the Ducks were rolling. They were in a playoff spot. They were good. And every everything's just falling apart. And then they became sellers. Special teams just not doing it for the Ducks right now. They've got a slew of injuries. They had a bunch of guys out on this game. We had... Who, who was out? Stolarz was out. Mahura was out. And Troy Terry was also out with non-COVID illnesses, which 
spurned some to say, oh, so the flu is going around the locker room. Great. Yeah, the flu is going around. That's wonderful. Just fantastic. (sighs) So another loss for the Ducks. And for the first time in a long time, they fall below 500. The Anaheim Ducks, after that amazingly hot start, have fallen below 500. Oof, that is bad. All right, we are going to head into the first intermission. But first, let's talk about everyone's favorite protein bar, Built Bar, which tastes fantastic. By the way, 18 terrific flavors covered in 100% real chocolate, real dark chocolate, rather. And also, also, the Built Boost is amazing. It is a little powder that goes in your drink. It tastes wonderful. And also, my favorite thing, the Built Puffs. Still, my favorite flavor is the Churro Puff. It tastes cinnamony, tastes like a churro. It's amazing. It's the best. Y'all have got to try it for yourselves. So, what are you waiting for? Get healthy. Get the best tasting protein bar ever by going to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15. To get 15% off your next order of Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. All right, coming up after the first intermission, we're going to talk just a little bit more about this one. And later on, we'll talk about some free agents. Stay locked in. Welcome back to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're locked in with JD Hernandez. And my dog Daisy's just staring at me right now. She's like, "Oh, you're talking again into a microphone. You're not paying attention to me." Yeah, I'm. I, I'm. I'm paying attention to you, Daisy. <laughs> we are having a lot of fun here. All right. So one thing that I want to mention that I haven't really mentioned yet is the amazing Trevor Zegras now has the rookie record for most points for an Anaheim Duck. Congratulations to Trevor Zegras on that mark. And as was pointed out. The only reason that Trevor Zegras has the record and not Paul Correa was because Paul Correa's rookie season was during a strike-shortened season. They only played 48 games. So once again, congrats to Trevor Zegras on the rookie points record that he just attained. Hey, you know what? Good for him. We we love some Trevor Zegras around here. He did get a point against the Chicago Blackhawks, so that now gives him 47 points on the season. Yeah, it's really good. That's despite Dallas Eakins. Why do I say despite Dallas Eakins? Well, some of you might remember that I kind of had a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek video. I'll admit now it was a kind of a dumb video. Kind of tried to make it tongue-in-cheek, but it probably didn't come off that way. Um, saying that there would be his aggression. Look, the only reason I said that was because not that I didn't have faith in Zegris, but because I have no faith in Dallas Eakins, who, by the way, has 16 games left. I'll talk about that in a moment. On the last game, Trevor Zegras was on the same line with the Elite 1C, Derek Grant. Notice, the Elite 1C. Derek Grant usually plays center. To put him on the same line with Trevor Zegras, what do you think is going to happen? Just as you expect, Derek Grant took the majority of the face-offs. Yeah. You know how many face-offs Zegras had the last game? Two. He had two. Ah, ah, ah. Face-offs. And that was it. Look, you're not going to develop the kid by having him 
just come out of the face-off dot and give them only two shots at it, that's not fair. It's not fair to anybody. It's not fair, especially to Trevor Zegris, who, once again, he had two face-offs. Oh, and, but sorry, two face-offs in the offensive zone, which he won both of them. In the neutral zone, he was two for five. So he was four for seven. He was good on face-offs. Derek Grant, three for nine. Derek Grant did not have a good night in the face-off dot. This has got to stop. This is ridiculous. Trevor Zegras should not be developed like this. Right now is the time to get him going. And I like what Felix Sicard said. He said, quote, Now is the time to let him develop. Given that playoffs are out of the question, which I know the Ducks are still technically in it, but with this eight-game losing streak, the Ducks are practically out of it. So why is Dallas Eakins still treating Trevor Zegras like this? Why? This is unfair. Very unfair, especially to Trevor Zegras, and it's unfair to the fans. You've got to give him some more leeway. I mean, this is technically Trevor Zegras' rookie season, but this is the second year in the National Hockey League. This is just bad coaching. It is bad coaching all around to have these lines just fluttered out like nothing. It's, it's a bad look for Dallas Eakins. And I did mention, by the way, that there are 16 games left in the season. That means that there is presumably 16 more games left in the Dallas Eakins coaching area. And by the way, with that loss, Dallas Eakins is now guaranteed to have a losing record with the Anaheim Ducks. So even if they win their last 16 games of the season, he'll still have a losing record coaching the Anaheim Ducks. And as of right now... That would be three consecutive losing seasons with the Ducks. And you got to think, well, GM Bob Murray wasn't quite the problem. Maybe it really is Coach Dallas Eakins. That's the majority of the problem. Think about that, huh? So what do the Ducks do now? Where do they go from here? They've got to really start from scratch. They are rebuilding right now. They're rebuilding with draft picks. They're probably going to rebuild with a new coach. I would assume there's going to be a new coach and a new sheriff in town in a couple of months. And also rebuilding with free agents, which I will talk about in the third segment of this show. But going back to the coaching for a second, Dallas Eakins has deployed questionable lines all season long. The only one that I really liked that kind of worked was when (laughs) the one game where Jacob Perot was called up and you had a line of Sonny Milano, Trevor Zegers, and Jacob Perot. That line looked good for that game. That line only played about 10 minutes. That's it. Jacob Perot only got 11 minutes. And honestly, the numbers looked good on that game, despite the fact they got beat by the Rangers on that one. First period, second period, they got shots on goal. They generated offense. They drove puck play. They looked good. Was there any goal scored against them? Just the one, and that was late in the third. But first and second period, they looked fine. And even for a a couple of shifts in that second period, Jacob Rowe was starting to look more comfortable playing in the NHL, and he looked pretty comfortable playing with Milano and Zegras. So why not try that out more? As I mentioned on yesterday's Goals podcast, why not have Jacob Rowe up for, what, three, four games? That's all I'm asking. I'm just asking for a couple of games just to get Jacob Perot's feet a little bit more wet. 
and to give him that confidence and give him just the exposure, the experience of the NHL game. And maybe that will help the San Diego goals in their playoff run, which I'm assuming they're going to make the playoffs at this point because they're on this long point streak. The goals are doing really well. See, it's a tale of two teams. The goals are going one direction up and the Ducks are going another direction down, way down. And that is thanks in part to coach Dallas Eakins, who once again, 16 games left in the Eakins era. I bet a lot of fans just can't wait to get him out of the door. I hear you. I see you. I know you're waiting for this. Am I going to keep tweeting about that? Yes. Yes, I am. There's 15, 14. Yes, I'm going to keep tweeting it. All right, we are going to head into the second intermission. But first, let's talk about Bet Online, which is where the game starts. It's the one place that has you covered with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. And it's definitely the one place we trust. And March Madness took quite a turn. Who had Gonzaga losing in the Sweet 16? Who had Duke going to the Elite Eight? A lot of people did, actually. And who in the world has St. Peter's winning in the Sweet 16? In fact, who had them even making it to the Sweet 16? In fact, who had a 10 versus an 11? I bet if you were looking back, you were thinking, man, I could have made quite a bit of money if I had placed some bets on those underdogs last week. Well, you know what? If you go to betonline.net, you could check out all the latest lines for March Madness. And of course, there's also the NBA and the NHL is winding down. All the odds are there. So once again, head over to betonline.net, either on your mobile device or on your laptop. Once again, that's BetOnline, the exclusive online sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. And please gamble responsibly. Welcome back to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're locked in with J.D. Hernandez on this Friday afternoon. Once again, thank you for your continued support and thanks for listening. It is appreciated. All right. So I mentioned that I wrote something down on this little notepad a couple days ago about something that I did want to talk about on today's podcast. And I kind of wanted to actually do some due diligence and write down some names and come up with what I think are some of the top free agent guys that the Ducks could go after. Yes, I know there's still 16 games left in the season, but that doesn't mean I can't already look forward to this coming offseason, especially because, are you ready for this? The Ducks have a projected $39.345 million in projected cap space. The Ducks, as of right now, for next season, have the lowest amount of roster and buried cap hit at only $40.1 million. That's it. That is not even half of the salary cap. Here's who's coming off the books. Raquel, Lindholm, Manson. Then you have Kessler off the books. Ryan Getzloff, he might get re-signed. I, in fact, expect him to get re-signed. Then you have Suster, Gouley, Simon ben- Benoit might get re-signed. Then you have Letary, Simon, Carrick, Robinson, Mayhew, Lundestrom, who I hope gets re-signed, Sam Steele, who could get re-signed. 
Then you also have Sonny Milano, who's an RFA, and Zach Aston Reese, who's also a UFA. So as of right now, the Ducks do not have a whole lot of money to spend. There is only one team for next season that has more projected cap space, and that team is the Buffalo Sabres, who have $40.5 million in cap space as far as next season goes. So if you're a player, if you're a free agent, and you make a choice between going to the Buffalo Sabres, who are just mired in mediocrity, or would you rather go to a team that even though they are rebuilding, they're at a stage of re they're not at the stage of rebuilding where they're on the downslope. They're on the stage of rebuilding where it's only going to continue to go up. And with that much cap space available, the Ducks need to at least spend some money to get out of the cap floor. So expected to sign this offseason, I would expect Ryan Getzloff to sign another one-year $3 million contract. I would expect that. So that would put him at 43. That's still fine. Then you have maybe, I would say either Gooley or Benoit gets re-signed. That's going to be less or about a million. Zach Aston Reese, he could be re-signed. That would be another couple million. That's not bad. Sonny Milano, he could get about two to three million. Still not bad. That's still about $34 million in cap space. You could re-sign Sam Steele and Isaac Lennestrom. That's still over $30 million in projected cap space. So there's a lot of money that the Ducks need to spend. So I actually wrote down four names that I thought... Could be fun to see in a Ducks uniform next season. And I'll start with the player that I think the Ducks should most, most go after for this reason. You already have a spectacular tandem of Sonny Milano and Trevor Zegris. Milano, obviously, mostly a left winger and Zegris at center. So you got to be looking for a right winger, right? Absolutely. And there is one guy that has played the majority of his games at right wing. He shoots right, a terrific player, probably one of my favorite, favorite players out there that is not an Anaheim duck. And I'll just say this, um, someone that comes on the podcast a lot, Sarah Avampato, she grew up as a Penguins fan because she grew up just outside of Pittsburgh. So she still gravitates towards the Penguins from time to time and also is a big fan of Jeff Carter. So I do watch the Penguins more than most Ducks fans. I'll admit that. And one of the players that's always impressed me is Brian Rust. I think the Ducks could absolutely go after him. Can you imagine Brian Rust on the other side with Sonny Milano? Yes, he's on the older side, but he is severely underrated and one of the more dependable forwards in the league. And he's just overshadowed by everybody else in Pittsburgh. When you look at guys like Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Jake Gensel, yeah, those are some big names. You also have Chris Letang there. Brian Rust gets overlooked a lot and is one of the more unheralded players in the National Hockey League. This year, he's getting paid $3.5 million, a fairly reasonable contract. And... How about maybe a four-year deal for Brian Rust? Because he signed a four-year deal with the Penguins at $3.5 million. I don't see why the Ducks couldn't sign him to maybe three, four seasons at about 
three to four million dollars. In fact, he might get paid more. He might get paid because looking at his numbers over the past couple of seasons, especially this season, he's averaging more than a point a game. The only concern is health. He has missed a bit of time this season. In fact, he's only played 43 games this season. So health could be a bit of an issue. And that might be the only reason why he doesn't get something like $6 million. He he still could be affordable at about four, four and a half million. And with a decent deal, I don't see how the Ducks don't go after him. In fact, let me point out this tweet. And this was a tweet that was put out by Jake on March 6th. So this was about a couple weeks ago. And he tweeted out, last 82 games, Sidney Crosby, 100 points, 36 goals. Jake Gensel, 43 goals, 95 points. Evgeny Malkin, 32 games, 88 points. Brian Rust, 38 goals, 78 points. Is that good? Uh, (laughs) uh, Yeah, that's good. That's very good. When you're fourth in the team on the last 82 games in points, then yeah, yeah, that is very good. I would expect that the Penguins would want to re-sign him except for one major thing, cap space, which the Penguins, to their credit, they do have a bit of cap space, but they also have some other UFAs that they need to think about. Chris Letang, he's a UFA. He's going to want to come back to the Penguins. You also have Casey DeSmith, who might come back, but I doubt it. Oh, there's another couple big UFAs. One that, I don't know, that just went over to the... Oh, who's that? Oh, right, Ricard Raquel. The Pens might want to keep him around. And there's also some other guy, another kind of... Oh, who, what's his name? Oh, Evgeny Malkin. So the Penguins have a lot of decisions to make over the summer. And I've heard from a couple sources that Brian Rust might be one of those guys that gets let go by the Penguins this summer because Malkin is just one of those cornerstone pieces. He's 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 a talented player. Malkin is still very good, but he is part of that core and you don't want to mess with that. Same with Chris Letang, who's the other alternate captain. They're still going to get paid, but you have other names that you've got to deal with over the summer. Evan Rodriguez, you got to deal with him. Ricard Raquel, you got to deal with him. Malkin, Latang. I don't see how the Penguins can keep everybody and keep everybody healthy. And I think Brian Rust ends up being the odd man out. So that's one big name that I think could go into free agency. And if I'm the Ducks, yeah, sign them up. You got all that cap space. You got to get off the floor anyway. Another player that I really, really liked, and this is another forward that I've liked watching over the past little bit, Max Domi. Max Domi, another very talented player who has about $5.3 million cap hit, and the analytics put him towards the offensive side over the defensive side, and when he's healthy, he can put up some big points. And what if he's up with a terrific, maybe it could be a terrific offense or a terrific young core in the Ducks. He's only 27 years old. He's still got a lot of good hockey left in him. He could be in his prime right now. So if he gets a decent deal with the Ducks, that would be someone to go after. 
another player that I also really liked, and this is someone that I haven't really talked about a whole lot on this podcast, Andrew Kopp, who's also a UFA, playing for the New York Rangers this season. He's a center, 37 points in 57 games. He's making about $3 million this season. Another player that I think could make an impact with the Ducks, and given the right teammates and given the right environment, he could thrive. There is one defenseman on this list that I think a lot of teams are going to go after if they have a lot of money, and that is, of course, John Klingberg. Klingberg, I think, is going to be one of the biggest defensemen that teams are going to want to go after. The only thing, even though he's only making four and a quarter this season, that was kind of a team-friendly deal. So he's going to get paid. He's going to get a big raise. I don't think the Stars are going to go keep him because the Stars already have a lot of money in Miro Hiskinen, Asa Lindell, Ryan Suter. So they've already got a lot of money. Now, Klingberg is looking for a deal worth between 62 and $66 million on an eight-year term. And this is according to Sportsnet's Jeff Merrick. So he could be getting paid a lot. Are, would the Ducks be willing to to spend that kind of money on Klingberg. I mean, there have been reports that he would want to sign with Seattle for whatever reason, but he's going to be one of the most coveted defensemen out there. And if the Ducks do have that kind of money to spend, then why the hell not? I mean, even if they sign all four of those guys, they would still have a bit of money left over in cap space. So, hey, you know what? Why not? So those are four names that I think the Ducks could and probably should go after. Those are their big targets for this upcoming free agency. All right, that's going to do it for today's podcast. That's going to do it for the week. Once again, thank you all for your continued listens and for your continued support. Thank you for making this your first listen of the day. And don't forget to make Locked on NHL your second listen of the day. Don't forget this podcast is free and available across all platforms, including Odyssey, Stitcher, Spotify, among a plethora of others. My personal Twitter is at StimpyJD. The show's Twitter is at LO underscore Ducks. Once again, thank you all for your continued support. It is greatly appreciated. Don't forget the Ducks do have a game this weekend. They play the San Jose Sharks. And if you are Team Tank, You are hoping that the Sharks win this game because the Sharks would jump ahead of the Ducks in the standings. And oh, by the way, the Sharks would fall out of the bottom 10 in order to win the lottery. So, hey, there's that to look forward to, right? Yeah. All right. Once again, thank you so much for Locked On Anaheim Ducks. I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez saying have a great weekend. Please continue to be safe out there. Be kind to one another and ducks fly together.